are listening to the Epworth Echo. This is a community podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church, located in Indianapolis, Indiana. This is our podcast for August, and to be honest, it'll probably be our only podcast for August. I kind of dropped the ball this month, and I apologize about that. I am Sean Johnson. I'm your host, and this week I am by myself again, just like last time. If you've never listened to the show before, we try to first give some entertainment options from a Christian perspective, and then we have some kind of topic that is of special interest. Since this month is Olympic month, I figure we talk a little bit about Christianity in China. So, with that out of the way, let's move on to talking about entertainment. Now, normally, we try to give some previews, say what's coming up, but this time I thought we'd give a movie review. So, our review is for... Star Wars The Clone Wars. This movie was released on August 15th and is rated PG. Now, I am slightly biased in trying to review this because I am a huge Star Wars fan, and so I come at it from that angle, not necessarily from sort of some sort of movie critic angle. So, as a Star Wars fan, I was pretty pleased. I think that The Clone Wars does a good job at fitting into the overall Star Wars universe, and it really gave me what I wanted to see. It expanded the Star Wars lore, kind of the overall story and overall themes with the characters. So you got to see that Jabba the Hutt has a son. You got to see some neat things with the clones. I really like that. And the movie features two really cool lightsaber battles, and that's always a plus for me. So I try to be a bit more objective away from the Star Wars fan. There are some praises and critiques. To critique it, I guess, a little bit, the plot is very simple. It is a cartoon after all, and feels kind of like a cartoon, and it's very action-heavy. I think the main reason for this is its main audience is children. It's very obvious that its main audience is for children, and when I went to see this movie, there were several kids in the theater, and how excited they were after the movie was over made it very obvious this movie appealed to them. So adults may be bored with this. An advantage, though, is because it's animated, some of the action scenes are better. There are things that can be done in animation that if real people tried to do them, it would just come across as looking extremely fake because it would all be computer-generated anyway. But when it's animated, it works fairly well. And there is specifically one fight scene in this movie going up a side of a mountain that the animation really pulls it off quite well. There is a word of warning, though, especially considering this movie is geared towards children, is it has an especially high body count. Many of the action scenes are of full-out war between the robots and the clones, and they show the clones die. It's never terribly graphic. It's not like decapitations and bloody limbs and all that, but they do make a point that these clones are dying. They show them fall, then they'll have another soldier check their pulse, or they'll have a clone get shot and then stagger to make movements before they finally collapse. So it could be very graphic, especially for younger children, and that's something to keep in mind. Overall, I would say this movie is worth seeing, especially for people who like light action movies, like Star Wars, or if you're a parent of a child between the ages of of 6 and 12, you're pretty much going to be seeing it anyway. Anybody else who's not in that category, if you didn't see The Clone Wars, you probably would be okay. There aren't any other movies coming out in the next couple weeks that are really worth mentioning, so instead we'll turn to talk about some upcoming video games. Specifically, I'd like to focus on two Wii Sports games. The first is Mario Super Sluggers. 
This is released on August 25th and is rated E. Now, this game builds on the Wii Sports controls for baseball, and it adds power-ups and typical zaniness that goes with the Mario sports games. Just like Wii Sports Baseball, to hit the ball, you'll swing the Wiimote like a baseball bat. To throw the ball, you'll make a throwing motion. And I believe this game also adds other actions, such as fielding and running. So it'll be a bit more advanced in that way. This game is technically a sequel to the last Mario Baseball game that was released on the GameCube. And that game got fairly good reviews, so hopefully motion controls will help it and make it even more fun to play. The other sports game for the Wii we want to focus on is Tiger Woods PGA Tour 09 All Play. It's a really, really long title, and this game is released on August 25th, is rated E. On the original Wii Sports compilation disc, I thought that golf was probably the weakest of the sports, but yet it was one that had the most potential, I thought. So this game will hopefully build upon that. Now, the Tiger Woods games are pretty much known as being the best golf simulator video games. And this is also the second all-play game. Now, all-play games are Wii games that do away with the hardcore simulation elements. So, for example, on the Xbox 360 or PS3, there's a Tiger Woods Golf, and you have to make sure you account for the wind and the bumps in the green, and it's very much a simulation game and to simulate all the depth that goes with golf. Now, the all-play series of game does away with a lot of that depth. Instead of focusing on the minutiae of simulating an actual sport, they focus on trying to make it more fun and casual so that anyone, no matter what their video game experience, can pick it up, play, and have some fun with it. So hopefully the Wii controls work well with this golf game, and it is fun to play. Well, that's all the entertainment options we'd like to focus on this time. So now we'll move on to talk about Christianity in China. Figure since everyone is watching the Olympics, a topic that kind of related to the Olympics would be appropriate. Now, Christianity in China is a complicated tale of two churches. And I'll talk a little bit about it, but just keep in mind, I'm not really an expert on this subject, and if you want to know more, I'm pretty sure that if you just spent an hour with Google, you would probably learn way more than I could ever tell you. So, what I do know is there is a state church in China. Under the communist government, the church is controlled by the state, and it's organized as the Three Self Patriotic Movement. This is the denomination. It's not like affiliated with the Methodist Church or the Baptist Church or anything like that. This is the Protestant denomination of China. There is also a state-endorsed Catholic branch, but it does not recognize the Pope, and the Pope does not recognize it. The Three Self Patriotic Movement is ran by appointed party members, and it controls all of the seminaries, the Bible production, and the Bible distribution in the country. So for all intents and purposes, this is the only church game in the entire country. Now there are certain topics that pastors are not allowed to teach or preach about, and these include divine healing, casting out of demons, the second coming of Christ, and resurrection from the dead. Obviously, these are extremely important topics to Christian theology and belief. So, because the state church suppresses some of these teachings, some Christians believe that the state church is corrupt and they meet in secret. Most of these people meet in house churches, so they meet in each other's homes, and these meetings are not approved by the Communist Party, so they're illegal. And from time to time, the Communist Party does crack down on these house churches, 
and the leaders and pastors of these meetings are often arrested, held without trial, tortured, or sent to labor camps. A recent example of this is on August 6th, a pastor named Zain Minjan, I hope I pronounced that somewhat right, was arrested, and he has been held without any rights since then. So he's not seen any legal counsel, not been allowed any visitors, no one knows what kind of conditions he's being kept in. He, they just know he's being kept in a building somewhere, and that's it. Now, when I first heard about Christianity in China, it was through stories of persecution. For example, I once met a man named James Son, and James was teaching Christians to be pastors. So he lived in the city, and there were Christians who came to his apartment, and he would teach them what it was to be a pastor, and then these Christians would then in turn go out into the countryside and pastor house churches. Now, the, um, James Son, he was a foreign national, and he told me that if he would get caught, then he would be given life imprisonment. Not just my most personal example, I've also read several books that deal exclusively with persecution in China. So, for a good while, I understood Christianity in China to be very black and white. The house churches were right, and the state church was bad, corrupt, and evil. However, for me, that thinking was challenged last year when I attended seminary with Win Gi. He attended the same seminary I did last year to work on a master's thesis, but normally Win Gi was a professor at one of the state-ran Christian seminaries. So here was a person who was part of a church I'd always assumed to be corrupt, and he had a vibrant and a deeply held faith. More than that, he sincerely believed that God had called him to the Chi official state Chinese church to be a minister and pastor and teacher there. So that really challenged kind of what I was thinking about how there's the good church and the bad church in China, and I realized that maybe God can work even underneath an oppressive government, that God can work even when people are trying to control the message of the Bible. And so I think the overall takeaway from all this is that the church in China is desperately in need of prayer from the rest of the church. Now, I do believe that state control of faith is wrong, and the human rights abuses that the Chinese government inflicts upon house church leaders, even if they disagree with them, is morally unacceptable. So that needs prayer. But also, I believe we need to pray that God would be manifest despite state control. That even in the seminaries and state-controlled churches that are underneath communist rule and are being suppressed, that God can still be seen and be known even there. If you would like to know more about the church in China, especially about the persecution that happens in China, there is an excellent resource in the activist group Voice of the Martyrs, and you can find them just by typing in Voice of the Martyrs on any web browser. So, thanks for listening. I hope you liked what you hear, and if you do, then I would encourage you to please tell your friends about this podcast. That's really the only way we're going to get more, more listeners, so please share the love. Also, if you're feeling extra inspired, please look us up on the iTunes Music Store and give us a favorable review, and if you really don't like what you hear, then just don't give any review. Just to remind you, this is the podcast of Epworth United Methodist Church. We are located in Indianapolis, Indiana, on the corners of Allisonville and 65th Street. Our worship service times are at 8.45 
and 11, and we would absolutely love to have you. We will hopefully have a podcast for you in a couple weeks, and then we'll have two podcasts in September. That's the hope. So you'll hear me then.